0: Welcome to another episode of E4 Explicit Podcast. I'm Corey, and today we have J.D. McCabe, um, author, author, right there? Did you freeze? Yes. Oh, yeah. fuck. Sorry. Damn, you did that really good. You like literally did not move. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us the the name of your book. When did, When did you come out with this? Book, yeah the book
1: uh, Corey. first of all thank you for the opportunity to, to speak. absolutely yeah, appreciate it yeah the book was uh officially released by mascot books in march of 2020 right before the whole covid thing hit oh so, my god yeah the timing the timing couldn't have been worse or maybe it was better maybe it was i was gonna worse. say
0: maybe people were reading at home maybe it was like uh I, did you do an audiobook i couldn't find an audiobook
1: i did not do an audiobook i did uh an ebook and, and a hardcover to start the audio book and I've, I've learned a lot about the, a lot, well, I've learned enough about the publishing business to be dangerous that audiobooks are expensive to make and there's very little to no, no margin on them. So.
0: Right. Well, if you do an audiobook, make sure you read it and don't hire yeah. an actor.
1: Right, 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 right. I hate that. But yeah, so it was released in, in March of, uh, yeah, March, March 3rd of 2020.
0: Wow. March, literally, literally the pandemic.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally right before the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Great. So how did you come up with this title?
1: Well, the title, so the title, actually, my, my son, uh, Billy, helped me come up with the title a little bit. The third gift. So the first two gifts are my kids. The third gift is is a shocking revelation that my now ex-wife made uh, as we were in mediation in North Carolina. I'm in one room with my attorney. She's in another room with her attorney. And you've got an attorney going back and forth and made a revelation about something that I had allegedly given her. I don't mind telling you it was an STD, um, but, but it, it opened the, so the third gift is, is an STD, but shrouded in that STD is clarity, emotional freedom, emotional justice is what I like to call it, because it, it finally helped, actually it helped me to open my eyes that the marriage is over. Right. So I'm in the pharmaceutical medical field, I've been in it for 30 years. When they dropped this test on the table, I knew exactly what it was. And I knew for a fact that based on the DNA testing that they did on her, that she absolutely had, had this STD, you know, an incurable STD. So it it opened my eyes to the fact that, okay, all the accusations that she had been made, she was making against me going back six years uh, around infidelity and drug addiction and that, um, she was actually doing it. So she was, everything she was doing, she had projected on me and beat me into the ground with it. So the third gift, first two gifts, again, of my kids, the third gift was this revelation that helped me to begin to reestablish who I, who I was as a man right. and, a, and as a mother.
0: Right. And that's why we keep talking about gifts because the name of the book is the third gift, right? Yeah. So, you know, and my dance with the devil and her mother.
1: Correct. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> I guess it's self-explanatory. Um, so there's probably a lot of men out there that can relate to that, I guess, in a sense. Um, and we'll talk about that a, a little bit later, but that's what kind of, when I saw the title of the third gift, I was like, um, what, you know? And then, you know, t- hearing the other media and podcast stuff that you've done and, and, and checking out um, parts of the book, like I understood. And so gift one was your, 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 when uh, your kids gift two was your other kid. And the third one is, And it was an STD.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: But was more than that because that was like, wait a minute. And then it just kind of opened up your eyes. So you were in the pharmaceutical uh, business for 30 years or however long it was. Um, Let's just set the stage for um, kind of who you were pre this book. um, And then pre, you know, because I think this happened in what, 2012, 13, 14 ish.
1: Yeah, went yeah right I mean things really started to fall apart in
0: 2014
1: right um, so, so my, my journey through hell and my kids journey through hell really started in, in 2014 and lasted four or five years you know we didn't we didn't finish up legally until 2018 so yeah. uh, but prior to that um, I, I was I, I was I was living if you will the American dream you know blessed enough to have a great job two beautiful kids, healthy kids living in a nice neighborhood nice network of friends, right. very solid and happy marriage. And I think my daughter Katie said it best when the wheels started to come off as she's sitting in her closet crying at the age of 15, wanting answers from me as to what was going on. She says, you know, dad, you and mom were like teenagers in love, what, what happened? And I, and I had no explanation for her at the time. Um, I, I was put in a position, so again, first 17 years, I don't wanna say they were perfect. I don't wanna say they were idyllic, but we had a very good, very happy marriage. Um, and then she went off the deep end beginning in in 2010. And I, I, I speculate in the book and I, I think it's more than speculation. I talk about why I believe that is. Right. And so without question, there's a lot. So the third gift really brought me a lot of clarity about everything in our marriage that she had hidden from me. So I would later discover through looking at medical claims and pharmacy claims, five years worth, by the way, yeah. I mean, it took me hours and hours and there were a lot of medications that you was taken that I had no idea she was taking. So she, her, the mental illness, mental illnesses that she was able to hide or suppress for 17 years were unleashed beginning in 2010. So without question, she's got borderline personality disorder, probably a a huge component of narcissistic personality disorder in there, as well as factitious disorder. So, you know, formerly known as Munchausen. So for 17 years, she believed and I believed that she was suffering from an autoimmune disease. Uh, wow. Turns turns out she wasn't. It's it's all in her head. She would see doctor after doctor, and I'd go with her on many occasions to specialists and one hospital to the next hospital, and and she would self report what she was feeling, and she'd be able to get whatever medications she wanted. Um, and sadly that ultimately would include, you know, amphetamines. So she was addicted to amphetamines amongst other things. And wow. she used our kids for two years to fill, you know, prescriptions in their names to the tune of 600 days worth. So, Damn. I, I, yeah, I mean, I mapped, I mapped all of this out, Corey, and this is why it truly was the third gift because had she not made that revelation to me, I wouldn't have looked at any of this. I never right. looked at it.
0: I never right. knew what I had
1: access to, through our insurance company. And once I discovered it, I'm like, "Wow!" I mean, just with every little click, I'd be like, oh, who's this doctor? I'm not familiar with this doctor." Oh, wow. Well, looks like she had another STD test done. Well, looks like she was prescribed 45 antibiotics in 23 months. She was on an antibiotic every two months.
0: Dude, so okay, so t- t- taking me to the moment where like your daughter is in the closet crying, like. Yeah, that's something that you were probably like, w- why are you crying? Why are you upset? Why you didn't even realize it? Cause you guys are what going through the motions, just kind of like, everything's happy, go lucky in some type of way. You don't want to ruffle any feathers. Like what, how did that, was that the moment that you kind of like woke up and were like, what the fuck's going on?
1: Yeah. It was at that point she was, she was 15 at the time. And, and mom had started to work her mom had started to plant in her head that dad, You know, dad has a a drug problem. (laughs) Dad dad has a drinking problem. Uh, Dad has some mood issues. He has some anger outbursts. There's something seriously wrong with your father.
0: On a 15-year-old mind.
1: On a 15-year-old mind. And I I sadly, you know, lost my daughter, even though I was still in the home for, you know, about a year. I I lost her for about, about two years. So I had no relationship with her. I think it's one of the favorite, one of my favorite chapters in the book, uh, chapter eighteen, titled "Hi, Daddy," uh, when she when she came back into my life. And this this March, March second, uh, will be five or five year anniversary of you know reunification with her. Wow. So yeah, she finally started to, when she was living with mom on her own. She started to see some of the effects of the drug use, uh, the multiple not only amphetamines, but she was on Xanax. She was on pill after pill after pill and I'm, I'm i'm not sure how she's still alive today but right. she is i have no contact with her but so things started to unravel at home um she started to you know see you know some arguments between myself and my now ex-wife and there would be an occasion where i would just go to a hotel just to spend the night away and just to get away from it um and so my daughter started picking up on all of that and it was you know she was sitting in the closet at the time that i was um packing a bag to leave for a week or so, so that she could calm down. And so that mom could have some space. I'm like, I agreed to just go to a hotel for a week. Little did I know I would not be coming back into the house. So she essentially manipulated me out of, out of our, our, out of our home. What? And I would, I would not return. So, yeah. So she had, she had secured an attorney. She started seeing an attorney in 2014 um, and, uh, yeah, be, you know, behind unbeknownst to me. And so I, I ended up getting manipulated out of the house would not return. So that was in, in May of 2015. Wow. But, um, yeah, so yeah, 2014, 2015 was, was rough 2014, the spring of 2014 things really started to heat up. And uh, I wanted to come back, though, for a minute, if I could, to what I believe is what caused her to go off the deep end. Please. And these are things that I that I missed when we first started dating, you know, back in 1991. Yeah, I'm I'm that old. Um, Is she had been previously married. She had been married for eight weeks. And the story I got from her and the story I got from her mother was that she never moved in with a guy. He was 10 years her senior. He he had an 11 year old daughter. She was just looking for a father figure. He was controlling. He was abusive. Everything that she would eventually say about me, she said about this other this other gentleman. So I right. ignored that that first red flag that uh, that she had been you know, previously married. But she was estranged from her father for 10 years. Um, she was had once been very close to her father. And again, I come back to the third gift and say, this is where all the pieces of the puzzle started to come together. Because I now believe that she cheated on her first husband as well.
0: With you or just with anyone?
1: Just with anyone. I wasn't even in the picture when she was married. But that's, oh. I think, because her father ultimately took in her ex-husband. Her father, He. she lived with her, her, her ex-husband lived with her father. And I could never understand that. But here's here's the twist. And I think this is what contributed to my now ex-wife's mental health issues, you know, narcissism, borderline personality disorder. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but a lot of that is driven by a sense of abandonment in your childhood. Right. Well, when when Aaron, my now ex-wife, when she was two years old, her father came out of the closet and recognized that, that he was gay and, you know, they, they divorced and he moved away. But she maintained a very good relationship with him right up until the time that she uh, got divorced or separated or annulled from her first husband. So she lost 10 years of her father's life because of what I believe is an infidelity in her first marriage. Finally reconnected with her father. When my son Billy was five or six, he knew about grandpa. He had never met grandpa, but he just innocently said to, to, to my wife, uh, why don't you call grandpa? And so she called him and they reconnected and we, I, I, Graciously welcomed him back into my life into our lives, even though I was led to believe that he was a piece of shit. Right. Which I don't believe now that he was. Right. it, rest, rest his soul. So the issue was, Corey, in 2007, he had a massive heart attack at a very young age. And she had to make the unfortunate decision because in Florida, where he resided, they didn't recognize gay marriage at the time. So she had to make the the tragic decision to take him off life support. Damn. So I think that coupled with his lifelong partner, a very nice guy, his lifelong partner suddenly passed away two years later. So in 2010, she not only lost her father, but his, his lifelong partner, who she was very close to. And I think guilt ate her up. Right. I believe that guilt ate her up and unleashed all her demons. And yeah, she just beat me over the head with that. And then her mother ended up getting in on the game, uh, a woman that, that I had unconditionally loved for 23 years, you know, would attack me on a beach trip, threatened to kill me, uh, suggested I was addicted to porn, suggested I was addicted to drugs, and was, bu- was buying into the story uh, that her daughter was telling her and whoever else she was telling it to. Um, so that was the spring of 2014. And, and then I ultimately, the fall of 2014, I ended up locked up in a psychiatric facility for nine days. So, you know, the, her mother- Volunt-
0: uh, Involuntarily, right?
1: I was involuntarily committed by our family practitioner. But again, back to the third gift, the clarity that came along with that as we moved towards our alimony trial and we, sub- we subpoenaed all her medical records, we subpoenaed my medical records. And in my medical records, I discovered that she was writing letters behind my back to the family practitioner and to, the, and to my psychiatrist at the time, telling them all sorts of bullshit and I believe that that contributed to my involuntary commitment. What the fuck? So she set me up there, and to add further fuel to the fire, I would later discover, once I was out of the house, I was having all sorts of medical issues, significant weight loss issues, I would later discover that through a validated hair and nail test that she was poisoning me with arsenic on top of all of this.
0: Dude. What?
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot in the book. There's a lot of. Oof. There's a lot of meat on that on that nutty bread sandwich. But uh, yeah, these were all the discoveries that I made. And again, so had she not made play that one little card in that allegation that I gave her herpes, I wouldn't have known any of this. I wouldn't have oh. been able to piece any of it together
0: dude because yeah, she started she started she was basically accusing you every little thing you would do text messages calls work emails you go away for a trip or whatever it is that you're cheating you're 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 drug using you're doing all these things um because you know like in the book you you talk about how you know your whole family was basically built on trust and yep. kind of like you know loyalty to the family and being honest and all that kind of stuff and you know for 20 plus years uh you know your number one thing in priority was your family. So, you know, yes. you, you talked about weight loss and this and that probably over a very short period of time because you were probably going, I mean, you're you're probably just driving yourself fucking crazy because you're like, what's going on? It's it's probably the, obviously, not probably, it was probably, it was the hardest time of your life. It had to be.
1: With, without question. So, you know, when I was locked up for nine days, um, I mean, that was scary in and of itself, you, but, but I thought I was at rock bottom at that point but little did I know what what lay ahead I would stay in the marriage you know for another six seven eight months and then ultimately I would be manipulated out of the house and then we'd move forward to uh you know separation and then divorce but I I, I there was so much uncertainty about what was going to happen in our marriage she she never came to me and said I, I want a divorce she never did she never wow. came to me and said I'm happy but she didn't have the courage to but instead she decided she was going to destroy me and she was going to paint a picture of me um, that would be her story when the marriage did collapse that, yeah, he, you know, he was abusive, he was controlling, he was a drug addict. And oh, by the way, she wanted to add the icing on the cake. He gave me herpes. Right. So she went and told our kids that I had given her herpes, even this, I was out of the house, but she went and told our kids um, that, unfortunately, my son, Billy was at college and my daughter, Katie was, you know, in her sophomore, junior year of high school. And so, They endured this throughout their entire college and high school careers and and flourished. Um, I'm very proud of both of them for that. But um, yeah, she was going to paint the picture that I I was the reason for the demise of the marriage. And that's why I called, truly called the third gift like emotional freedom, emotional justice. No. Okay. I wasn't the reason for the demise of the marriage. I knew that the entire time, but the biggest mistake I made in the spring and summer of 2014 Corey was that I told nobody I told nobody about it. So maybe it's a male thing or not, but Definitely. You know, and as part of the reason why I was encouraged to write the book was that there's just not enough. There's very few books out there about men in an abusive situation. Right. Um, now that it's been out for a year, I'm hearing from not only men, but also from women that, you know, thanking me for writing it, that they, they feel a sense of inspiration from it and so forth, so on. But yeah, she was trying to paint the picture that I, I was the SOB and, and, uh, yeah, not only that, she was trying, she was trying to kill me. She
0: legit so, trying to kill you. Yeah. Legit trying, trying to
1: kill me. And when I when I got out of, and so all the all the pieces started to come together, she never took an interest in finances. She never took an interest in any of it. But prior to me going into a psychiatric facility, she started taking a real strong interest in life insurance, real strong interest in finances. Um, yeah, and 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 so I get out of the psychiatric facility, the very day I get out, I would later discover through my financial advisor that she had me sign a form given her power of attorney over my IRA. What? Yeah, yeah. Did she
0: have you sign it or did she forge yours? Oh, I
1: signed it. It was my signature, but, but I'm, I, when the financial advisor called me in July of 2015, I was already out of the house. He called and said, oh, by the way, you need to come into the office immediately. Aaron's got power of attorney over your IRA. And I'm like, when, when did that happen? Right. And it's September 24th. I'm like, that's the day I got out of the very day I got out of a psychiatric facility. Uh, So I looked at the signature and I indeed signed it. I don't remember. My head was so. Yeah. You just got out of a psych ward. (laughs) (laughs) But I can laugh about it now, but she was calculating methodically planning all of this And I wouldn't discover until May. I wouldn't discover until May of 2016, you know, two years. Fortunately, fortunately, I left the house in May of 2015 and she was no longer feeding me arsenic. But um, I would later discover in May of 2016 through a a liver specialist and hair and nail sample that, yeah, I'd been chronically exposed to arsenic.
0: Oh, my God, dude. Honestly, like you're like, I always read about like stories of like this kind of stuff happening and they follow through the end, they end up killing the person. They end up killing the children. They do all this crazy shit just because they're unhappy or they got something going on. And like you said earlier, it's kind of like you could just ask for a divorce. I know it's easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. Obviously way easier said than done, but I feel like that is much easier than having to do all this crazy stuff. And then, you know, the money thing, as I, I assume you work in the ph- uh, your, your pharmaceutical sales, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I am mean, still in the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Yep. Right.
0: So, you know, typically it, it's a good income. And I would think since in the nineties, maybe you were young and in love might've have not, have got a prenup, might have, whatever those things are, there might've been like motives is what I'm trying to say is like, was there even a motive for her to do anything you just said she had no interest in finances at all until the very end was her mother in her ear or was some you know what i mean like i don't know like
1: yeah i don't know i mean once her once her mother so she comes from a small family it's just her mother and her brother and i'd never never throughout all of this i wasn't very close to her brother and i don't think she was ever either right but i never i never heard from her because that was the other accusation she would make to her mother and that's why that's why her mother threatened to kill me. She was talking about she was trumping up stories about me, you know, being abusive, being angry, having explosive outbursts, and that 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 never happened. But her mother and/or brother never came to me and said, you know, after knowing them 23 years, never came to me and said, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Especially right. her brother. You know, if 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 I'm if I have one of my sisters come to me saying that their husband is, you know, threatening them. They're afraid of their husband or whatever. I would certainly. have. You're going to talk to him. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Myself and my five brothers would go and have a conversation with this individual to hear his side of the story, but that, that never happened.
0: Right. So you're saying that you're, you're hundred percent sure she basically acted alone in the majority of these things.
1: I I believe so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Wow. That's a, that it just seems so like, just a reach for to to do those, to do those, those kind of things to someone that they've been with for so long, kind of almost randomly. And it makes sense of what you're saying about her, her dad and his partner passing could have kind of like maybe sent her off the deep end. Um, But what's odd to me is like, if she got, all right, she gets sent off the deep end. If family and loyalty and trust and all this thing are so important, why wouldn't you lean into and fall into your family for support instead of the la- the opposite of of literally demolishing the entire unit, you know yep. what I mean?
1: Yep, and, and trying to turn you know both of my kids against me. Four, I mean, I'm thankful for so many things. Eventually, you know, once I spent time in a psych hospital, eventually a couple of my brothers came to town, even though I told them not to. Right, uh, and I thank God they did because they they began to see what I what I failed to see that, you know, she had put me in there and she beat me into the ground and, but they're like, look, we're going to, we're going to support you staying in this marriage. If this is what you want to do. Uh, but you need to begin documenting everything that you've been through. And so that, that was kind of the beginning of the book, quite frankly, is, you know, once, once I got to 2017, I had a pretty robust diary, almost a daily log laying out the good and the bad. And most of it was the bad. And and that's people that have read the books have meant, the level of details off the charts well it's because i had documented everything um yeah. and specific happenings and it was just it was just a classic example of, of a book that i read called i hate you don't leave me it's about being married to someone with borderline personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder that they pull you in emotionally only to continue to further abuse you and that's exactly what she did right um yeah but Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a crazy ride, crazy ride for sure. But we're on, we're on the other side of it now. And I've got both of my kids in my life and, um, you know. Did they they talk to her? They have not seen her since last December. They saw her for about an hour. She moved away to Florida in March or no, in May of 2017. Did not attend our daughter's high school graduation. Uh, Our daughter will graduate this spring from college and mom won't be there. But my son... Has no lo- no longer has any communication with her. And my daughter, you know, will barely chat with her via text and whatever. Wow. Um, but yeah, they got, they got to the point where, especially my son got to the point where he's very compassionate, understanding young man. And I think that's displayed in the book, just the compassion and support that they both showed towards me. Um, you, a, a parent shouldn't have to lean on their kids that much. No. But I'm thankful that they were young adults that, know we could have open and honest discussions about everything that was going on because they they wanted to know and they witnessed it firsthand but my son got to the point where he's like look if she's not willing to own up to any of this right and so she started attacking him you know attacking his manhood so way back in the day when her paranoia was off the charts and she would accuse me of hacking routers and putting cameras in the doorbell and and hacking listening putting listening devices in her phone i mean it's one of the side effects of amphetamine use and overuse is paranoia. Paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. And she was not only on Adderall and Adderall XR, but she was also on Ritalin LA, which is a long acting form of another amphetamine. Yeah, I took
0: and, Ritalin as a kid because the whole 80 in the nineties, every doctor yeah. was like, Oh, you have ADHD. Here's a class two drug. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's where she kind of got the idea because our son Billy was legitimately diagnosed with it. Fourth grade going into fifth grade. And, and that, that was her pathway to get on it for, you know, get on it herself. I know ultimately, you know, after she used our kids for two years, she found a psychiatrist to be willing to write whatever the hell she wanted. Wow. So she, she doctor shopped, she hospital shopped, and that's the beauty. And I use beauty as a sarcastic term of our broken healthcare system that there's, there's, you know, the, the electronic health records aren't linked from one hospital to the next. So you right. can go where you want and tell them, Hey, I've been diagnosed with this and they, documented that she's got an autoimmune disease and this is why she takes all she takes. And that's, that's the story she gave the psychiatrist she ultimately found, but, but you know, so she had attacked our son on occasion. So once I was out of the house, she would attack our son, that he was involved with me and hacking routers and helping me do whatever I needed to do to, you know, to hack into her credit cards and her bank accounts. And and none of, none of it was true. Wow. There there was no proof. Right. Cause none of it was true.
0: Yeah. It was all made up.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. So he doesn't talk to her. Your daughter barely talks to her. Is she, was she ever admitted? Was she ever like, cause I mean, she's obviously probably like completely embarrassed and, you know, writing a book about it, I know. And we'll talk about the names and the books and everything like that. But like, Obviously she knows it's about her. So, you know, I think it's, uh, it's a good thing that you're talking about this topic. Cause like you said, there's very few uh, pieces of information out there about men in relationships, the abusive relationships. And it doesn't have to be physical abuse. This wasn't like, she wasn't beating you over the head with a fucking, you know, stick. She was mentally abusing you over time and then abusing you in other ways. So, um, how is she like, like I said, was she ever admitted? Was she ever kind of like, did she ever try to resolve her own problems?
1: She doesn't recognize she has a problem. Whoa. She still believes today. I haven't, I haven't talked to her in three years. Wow. And I started to talk to her. I was finally able to emotionally cut the cord in, you know, a couple of years ago, I sat down and wrote her a letter to let her know about everything that I had discovered. Um, but no, she doesn't believe she has a problem. You know, her, her stance would be that she was victimized and, and she was victimized by me for a couple of years and and uh, yeah, she's completely flipped it around. She's delusional enough to really believe that none of this was none of this was her fault. Wow. And and it's it's sad because she, as we started going through the legal system, she had two attorneys for 20 months two attorneys that represented her from the same practice that as we got close to our alimony trial, we had a four day alimony trial, uh, that they withdrew their representation of her. I think they finally realized that she's like off the charts crazy, right? Because they had subpoenaed, uh, phone calls to ADT, our security system and the time Warner cable. Cause again, she was alleging that I was messing with everything. Um, and, there were 17 hours of phone conversations with ADT and Time Warner Cable recorded, where she's talking about everything that I've done, and it's funny because some of Because I listen to them all. Once once they subpoena something, we get access to right. it. Right. I listened to them because I wanted to know what she was accusing me of doing, um, and it was it was heartbreaking because her her paranoia was just so far off the charts. Wow. She was she was on the phone with the lady from Time Warner Cable sending her pictures of boxes on the side of the house. She claimed that I had a box installed on the side of the house. And after about an hour of going back and forth with this poor customer service rep, the customer service said, rep said, okay, that final picture you sent me of, that, that's our box. We installed that eight years ago for your cable system.
0: Oh my God.
1: And then there was another one that she called and I again, laugh about it. She called again, Time Warner Cable. Cause her phone line, her phone wasn't working. Well, she switched out routers cause I was allegedly hacking her router. Get to about another hour. The guy finally says, ma'am, I should have asked you this at the beginning. Is <laughs> your, is your, is your phone cord plugged in, into the wall? Is it plugged into the outlet? The phone Jack turns out that it wasn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. But on some Jesus of these calls, Christ. she would, on some of these calls, she would talk about, she would go to police stations and file complaints against me, um, that I had what? broken into her house and yeah. yeah. And when my daughter moved in with me, she did, after she had moved to another home, she went to another police department and did the same thing. And I, uh, I caught, I called these, uh, I called, uh, I, I, I'm sorry about that, but I, I, mm-hmm. call, I called the police department because I was hoping that they'd be able to intervene and get her some help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I said to her, paranoia, her delusions are off the charts. I explained to them what her addictions were, and uh, and they're like, sir, there's nothing we can do to help. But but right, her, yeah. her, attorneys, her attorneys that withdrew the representation finally realized that she was nuts, but there was always another attorney waiting in the wings to pick up a check. Of course. And, And uh, there were plenty of people that recognized the issues that they had, that she had and never did anything to get her any help, nothing.
0: That's, 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 that fucking sucks, man. Because she's, you know, you obviously loved her. And and at some point for a reason, you know, obviously unwilling to you not knowing all of this crazy shit was going to happen. So it's like, it's shameful that all that time and all those memories and stuff kind of have to, go by the wayside almost just because, you know, she's losing her shit for whatever personal reasons. And I'm sure these drugs are definitely not helping because they're just going to they manipulate your brain and they, they, they make, chemi- they make you chemically imbalanced and stuff like that. So, yep. you know, it's, it's, and did she ever like dive into like, I'm sure she was, like you said, she was getting prescriptions from doctors. So she probably never had to really go get like cheap forms of these things.
1: No. Yeah. It was all, all, pre- all prescription type stuff. And I'm not so sure too that, you know, so again, Everything that she accused me of doing, she was doing. So I'm not so sure she wasn't doing illicit drugs either. Right. So I'm, I look back at the the sheer number of, she had pretty much had every STD out there. So and she the was majority, like cheating on you too. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the majority of the STDs are, are curable. I learned way more than I ever wanted to about STDs, but <laughs> you know, the majority of them are curable with with an, a dose of an antibiotic or two with the exception of herpes which you know it's a gift that keeps on giving as they right. say and and and, and, she, and she thought she had given it to me but she didn't um so again i, I lay that out and explain that uh, in depth um but um yeah so she would accuse me of, she again she accused me of not only doing prescription drugs but illicit drugs and i was going to gas stations to hook up with people and i'm like i, I have no idea what you're talking about But her therapist, her therapist at the time, and so I got caught up in a broken mental health care system, a broken medical system, and certainly a broken legal system. But her therapist at the time would testify twice against me and believed everything that she told her. Um, Even once I was out of the house, she would tell her that I was driving up and down the driveway, that I was getting into the home through going through the doggy door. And I went nowhere. I I went nowhere near the home. Nowhere. If I did go to pick up some more of my belongings that were usually on the front porch, I would, I would take a buddy with me. I had a witness with me. Smart. Um, But yeah, so her, her therapist at the time believed everything and and testified at our domestic violence trial. And then ultimately under objection would testify at our, our alimony trial. So the story that they were trying to paint was that I was crazy. I was abusive. I was controlling.
0: Right. Yeah. Which I mean, to this, the therapist or psychiatrist, whatever, to their point, they probably see that a lot and it's more than likely true most of the time. So maybe yeah. she's why she's believing her. So, you know, like just so loyal with it because she probably sees it on a regular basis. And it is true. This is just the one time or a couple of times where it's like, this dude's legit. This is, she's just going batshit crazy.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's funny. You say that. Cause that's how my, my attorney described her. She's like, you know, she's, she's just batshit crazy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> man. It's okay. Like, we can like, talk about that. Like, as you know, your wife.
1: Why won't, why won't, won't anybody do anything to get her the help that she needs? Right. But it's, it's not my problem anymore
0: right now good uh, let's talk about the names in the books because i know before we got on you told me that like you basically couldn't make the book the publisher wouldn't let you do it with real names obviously because then you would probably have a shitload of lawsuits coming your way for sure Um, and you kind of don't want to expose maybe your children and other parts of your life anyway so explain to me like how that process went and and what you did to come up with the names you used in the book
1: yeah, so from the beginning, uh, so yeah, so J.D. McCabe is, uh, is a pseudonym, but f- from the beginning, I was going to change the names of, of all the characters in characters and quotations in the book because there were a ton of people that got pulled into this. Obviously. Uh, I, come from, I come from a large family, and so once, once everything got out and things started to crumble, uh, my large family you know, got involved, and so... There were plenty of friends that were pulled into it, and then my my daughter's friends and my son's friends. You know, it just because that's the other thing she was going around telling people, it was that I was crazy, and right. that's why I, I was locked up. And ultimately, my daughter's friends weren't allowed at the house um, when I was lived still living in the home and all that. So, for everybody, for the sake of everybody's privacy, I just I just changed all the names. So, um, the majority of them. So, like, you know, my name J D. Danny McCabe. Danny was uh Danny is the name of her real name of her cousin, who I allegedly prevented her from even talking to or texting with or having any type of relationship with. That they were very close as children because Erin came from a single family home and leaned on her cousins for a lot of support, which was true. But they would later spin it that I would not allow her to talk or even text with her cousin. I forbid her friendship with her cousin, which I'm like, I, I didn't even know when she was talking to the guy. Right. So that's where I came up with my name. And for her name, that's actually the first name of her third attorney. So, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Full circle. And, and her mother in the book, um, I went with Doris because there's a, I wasn't going to go with Hillary because there's a strong resemblance to, I don't know if you're familiar with Doris Roberts, rest her soul from Everybody Loves Raymond.
0: Right. The Yeah, mom.
1: Raymond, Raymond's mom. Yeah, yeah. so she, she looked like her a little bit. And a cross between her and Hillary Clinton, so I went with Doris for her. Wow. Yeah, and and so some of her friends that got pulled in they didn't get pulled in; they willingly jumped into it. Um, <laughs> she resurrected. She resurrected an eighth grade friend that I hadn't seen in four or five years. It showed up in court to basically testify that when we were dating, that I made some comment about a pizza delivery man, and I wouldn't allow her to. Just, just would make up stories to validate Jesus that I, I was controlling and I controlled her entire life. So, for those fine ladies that got themselves involved in our story that didn't belong there, I went with the classic stripper names. So, <laughs> so I went with uh, Crystal. Nice. I, went with, I went with Tiffany, and then for one of them, I went with uh, Candy. Candice, I called Candace, but Candy. So. <laughs>
0: legit stripper days so so as, I,
1: as i wrote it as i wrote it i had some fun with it but but quite frankly Corey, as i'm <laughs> going through this it was my attorneys and others that said you absolutely have to write a book this is just crazy the twists and the turns and so the attorneys all came to me and said when you write your book here's the name i want you to use for me wow my therapist provided her name here's that's the awesome name i want you to use for me that's yeah. so great so that they were a part of that sister, my brother's <laughs> Yeah, my brothers and sisters and friends that are in the book, they all too came and said, "Yeah, use this name for me in the book." So the majority of them had stepped forward and said, "This is this is what I want you to refer to me as in the book." So that's awesome, yeah.
0: man. Well, what's what's yeah? The, uh, what was the benefit of you telling your story, right? Aside, you know, I know what we'll talk about, like you know, helping other men and and just anyone in a relationship that's abusive mentally or physically, but what was the benefit for you personally to tell your story and to, I mean, there's a a thousand ways you could have told the story, but you chose to write a book about it. So what was the benefit of that for you?
1: I I think it was just, again, the encouragement from many people that as as things continue to unfold and and a lot of disappointment and and one surprise and one shock after the other, that they're like, well, you, you absolutely have to write a book about this. Uh, For me, the benefit was it was truly was cathartic to be able to put it all down on paper. It was cathartic, but it was also emotionally painful at times because I had to rip open all of the boxes that I had packed away. The human mind, if you don't waste it and you don't fry it, the human mind's incredible. The amount of of trauma, the amount of adversity that we all endure, and I'm not alone in this. Um, You can pack it away. And you can move forward and you can grow from it but so the, the the biggest benefit i think is really just to offer a little bit of inspiration to others and the other reason for it, Corey is i hope my vision is to be able to give back to others through proceeds from the sale of the book That's awesome. so there's two 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 organizations one called Cannon recovery out of texas um that is provides alternative living ranch style living for former military that are struggling with PTSD and substance abuse, and then I had a good buddy of mine uh, whose son was decorated military, um, came home stateside at the age of 26 and took his own life. So he wow. he created an endowment fund for him, and I think you, obviously you're well aware, and your listeners are well aware of the the, the rate of suicide in our oh yeah, yeah 7,300 a year, and it's it's unacceptable. Right. So I'm hoping to use it as a vehicle not only to inspire, provide a little bit of entertainment uh, to those that read the book. Uh, but also to be able to give back to, you know, several organizations. And I'm, I've also started to contribute to uh, an organization for, you know, abused women um, out, of, out of Pennsylvania. Um, so again, I'm looking to do a lot of good with it uh, and, and be able to give back.
0: That's awesome. That's good, man. That's, that's good. So, well, and, and that kind of brings me to my next question of like, you know, we talked about it earlier, like you, by you not saying anything when shit was going down and keeping it internal, I'm, I'm very much the same way. Um, You know, you made the comment of like, it's if it's a man thing. I believe that 100%. I mean, there's there's stuff that I like go through in my head. And I've been through a lot of my life as well. Nothing as crazy as what you've been through, but some crazy shit myself. And I've always internalized and stuff like that. And I think it's important for men to have an outlet and stuff like that. Um, and not be kind of like, oh, he's a pussy, and just suck it up, blah, blah. Because you know, not everyone can pull pull themselves up from the bootstraps and keep keep trucking. So, you know, I applaud you for for talking about that kind of stuff and, and realizing um, how important that is. And you know how how does someone know or realize that they're even in a toxic relationship? I mean, it took you for your daughter to be crying in a closet about mm-hmm. your you and your ex wife's relationship for you to be like, hold on a second. What the fuck is going on?
1: Yeah, quite frankly, yeah, And it took took the revelation, you know, the, of, of the third gift for me to really realize that this, okay, this is over, right? Because okay? when we were in in mediation, the first mediation session, we went through four of them; they were all unsuccessful. Uh, but when we when we went through the first one, my my dumbass was still in love with her. I was living out of a hotel. My, yeah, I was living out of a hotel in my car.
0: Twenty plus years, bro. Listen, I I have. Uh, I've been through a very long relationship that ended like n- nuts. Whoever's fault it is or whatever, I'm not gonna go into it. But like it, this it does something to you mentally. It drains you. It ma- it makes you think like crazy, outlandish things. I can only imagine what you were thinking of. But man, you were in a fucking 20 plus year marriage. You have children. There's things that are way more involved than that. It's hard to just be like, oh, all right, she's crazy, fuck her. You know, it's not like yeah. a boyfriend girlfriend type situation. So. I yeah. mean, I've totally. Well, and you. the
1: other, yeah, and the other, and I appreciate that. So, getting somebody, pulling somebody in, and letting folks know, it would I would have appreciated somebody else's perspective because you you become you get tunnel vision and you're getting gaslighted, right? Uh, you know, by your your mother in law and your wife, um, and you you really take on the persona that yeah, you are a piece of shit, right? And you start to believe it. And to I, believe never believed, it. I, I never believe the infidelity stuff, of course. I never believe the drug use because I knew what I did and didn't do. Right. But you start to think, okay, you know, maybe we didn't have ever have trust in our marriage. Um, and so I talk about that, uh, you know, a little bit. So I've been very forthright in the book and very open and honest and I take it's balanced, but I also spent a lot of time talking about uh, faith. And so without a doubt, Without a doubt, God intervened after all that I went through. He finally intervened and said, okay, you're not listening to me. I'm going to smack you across the face. There you go.
0: Here's some herpes. Here's
1: some herpes. (laughs) The the marriage marriage is over.
0: Yeah. Well, how do you, uh, you know, how do you, first of all, how do you even deal with relationships now? And how do you not let your past experiences kind of like dictate you know, because now you're probably like super on alert about red flags and stuff. So when you see something yeah. little, does it turn you off? And you know, since since you guys are finalized in 2017 or 18 or whatever it was, whether you moved on or you're married or your girlfriend, or whatever, how yeah. did that? How did your perspective change on just relationships in general?
1: Well, and I, yeah, so we were di- we were divorced on paper in 2016. We kept dancing on some things legally until 2018 because the system is that great that it took us 13 months yeah. to get back in front. of. Uh, but it's funny that you bring up the relationship piece because I, I had not even entertained jumping into another relationship. So I have a girlfriend now. We're not, you know, we're not married, and I'm not. That's not. I'm not looking to get married anytime soon, if if ever again. Right. Um, but she's been extremely patient. But to your point, yeah, every little thing that I would see, I would overanalyze it, and I would shut down emotionally. Really? Yeah. And I would just it was really quick for me to say, you know what, what I struggled with, with her, which I'm finally in a, in a much better place. And again, she's a wonderful woman. She's been very patient, very kind, very understanding. And I, 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 am very happy today. Um, but yeah, I would just say, look, I am better off on my own. I don't want to deal with this. I don't even right. want to do, I don't even want to deal with having any doubt in the back of my mind. And yeah, any type of little red flag or thing that would pop up, I would just shut it down and say that, We're we're done. I don't need to. I don't need to deal with this. Round two,
0: yeah, not happening. Yeah,
1: yeah. so I I broke up with her a handful of times, and there was something that kept pulling me back to her, and we kept talking, but we were talking as friends, and now we've you know reestablished a you know a dating relationship again, which it's 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 been wonderful, but it's also been adjustment too for um, not so much my son, but my daughter, Um, and so there's there's been some things that we've had to work through because you know my daughter was used to not having anybody in my life, right? So. Right. So there's there's challenges with it. But I was fortunate enough to find a a woman that's, you know, very patient, understanding. And the second time that we met, she knew about the book. And I provided her an advanced copy of the book. So I I laid it all out for her. And she's been obviously very transparent about what, you know, what she's gone through in her past and whatever. And so we're on, we're on a very good foundation right now.
0: So. Right, that's awesome, man. And so, what are you what are you focused on now, as far as like, you know, your goals have obviously changed from you know back in the day when you're like, oh, I, you probably wanted the like you said the American Dream, white picket fence, wife, kids. How, what's your goals now, and what are you doing to kind of like, what's your main focus?
1: Yeah, my main focus is, um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to retire anytime soon. I'm not looking to retire um, from what I'm doing, but my my main focus really is to be able to continue to uh, to promote the book and 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 to uh, hopefully make it a commercial success so that I can give back to those organizations that I previously re- referenced and more so I'm looking to, to turn it into a philanthropic type you know mechanism so that I'll that's bet. that's my focus I, I don't have which is why I appreciate this opportunity to chat with you and all the other podcasters that have opened up their platforms to me I don't have a marketing machine behind me I'm it right, right. I'm it and uh um so that, that's that's my vision is to c- continue to share my story and, and to be able to break even and then then get back.
0: All right. That's awesome, man. That's, I'm glad because like like we said earlier, there's not really a lot of outlets for stuff like that and you know, specifically men in relationships like that. So that's I think it's pretty badass, honestly, that that you're kind of like exposing your basically your the most private and emotional and, and kind of experiences that you've had in your life with the most important people in your life is is kind of uh, amazing. So kudos to you for doing that. So where can people find you? Find the book. Find you know how they get a hold of JD McCabe.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, thank you, thank you, Corey, thank you for your kind words. So they can. I'm I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Instagram at at the third gift. Facebook at the third gift. My website is thirdgift.com because the third gift was taken. The domain was taken, but thirdgift.com. And uh, I'm also now on TikTok, you know, so at, at the third gift on TikTok, which it's, uh, I didn't, I thought it was just a dance type thing. No, nah, man,
0: you got to hit them Gen Zs.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my, my wonderful social media uh, lady who's helping me out, um, she's like, "Now we got to get you on TikTok. And and we're, we're doing pretty well on TikTok, surprisingly.
0: Right. So. Right. TikTok's a weird <laughs> but, one,
1: man. I mean, and if they, they want to buy the book, if people are gracious enough to buy the book, they can get it at Massacup Books. Um, they certainly can get it on Amazon and target and all of the online retailers, but uh, mascot books would, uh, would be the, would be the preference. Mascotbooks.com.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And there's, there's actually a link on my website to a direct link to, to mascot books to be able to order the book.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'll put that in the description and everything like that. And the title one more time is the third gift, my dance with the devil and her mother, right?
1: Correct. Yes.
0: All right. Cool. Cool. All right, man. Well, Hey man, I really appreciate you coming on, um, and talking to me. We're about an hour. Um, it's kind of when I like to, it's a good time frame Cause like the Rogan four hours, I don't have that, yep, <laughs> you know, yep. but the 20, 30 minutes is not enough for me. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and talking. And I mean, I, I'm always open to talk more. It doesn't even have to be, obviously we talk about your book, but talk about other things in the future and stuff like that. I'm Don man's coming on soon. We're not going to talk about what we talked about last time. So, you know, I, I occasionally have people come on multiple times so you're more than welcome to always hit me up and come on if you want man um but I really I appreciate wish, it.
1: I, yeah, I'd be honored to do it man. So again, I thank you and it's uh yeah, it's been a pleasure meeting you so. Absolutely I, I'll, you too. I'll, I'll be in touch for sure.
0: Yeah man, thank you and that's uh, another episode of the E4 Explosive podcast. and We'll see you next time.